0: So hi everyone and welcome to the mixed dandelions podcast um it's a podcast where we'll be talking about being mixed military and moving on i'm jennifer um today i'm very very excited to introduce my guest she holds several professional certifications she's also an accomplished speaker and the author of the book i move a lot and that's okay And yes <laughs> so i'd like to welcome shermaine perry knights thank you so much for being on the mixed dandelions podcast how are you doing
1: doing really well thank you for inviting me I love when I get the chance to podcast that's
0: awesome I know and I'm a newbie so I think you're like my third recording so oh yay
1: third is (laughs) our test yes they say third the worst no third
0: the best (laughs) now so um why don't we just get started with maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and your um you know
1: your affiliation with the military okay so a little bit about me I, um, I heard a new term actually recently that I think describes as well. They call us third culture kids because you're not truly a part of one culture. Mm-hmm. You are the sum total of all the cultures you've ever experienced. And I feel like that's a great way to describe military, the c- military community. I have lived and traveled all over the world, literally um, in my mom's stomach, While we were on, you know, just traveling, was born there. And then we went back overseas. So I have literally had a passport before I knew my name, traveled all over. And a little piece of me is everywhere that I've ever lived or visited. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was really valuable to, to share that with others. Now, professionally, I am a certified professional talent development, which means all things learning, development, growing, and realizing, um, this is how we interact with each other with leadership skills, personal skills, technical skills, but I see the value in everything going back to how we learn, how we communicate with others and books allow us to create a sense of empathy. So while Mm -hmm. I've always been an avid reader, I said, I'm going to take my chance and write a few. That's awesome. And yeah, I
0: read it and um, I thought it was great. Like, it was very, it was a little nostalgic for me. And there are some parts that we'll talk about later that um, I wrote the notes down and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so like, I remember that. (laughs) Like Yes, I totally feel that. And it was just amazing. Um, So where did you, um, so what are, where are some of the places? Well, so first, what was the branch um, of the military that you grew up in? Air Force,
1: but just thinking good optic, right? Our version of being sensitive with information, I made the book around the army lifestyle. So I said, let me change the branch just a little bit, but I grew mm-hmm. up in the air force. We've lived on naval bases, air force bases, army bases, just by nature of, you know, the work. Right. Yeah, no, I'm an air force bred as well. So yay.
0: Yes. My dad was in for 30 years. We, um, we're mostly air force bases. We did Scott Air force Base, Seymour Johnson, RAF Lake and Heath in England. Um, okay. and then we did, um, my dad in Okinawa. He was stationed on Kadena, but there was no E nine housing, so we ended up living on um, Camp Foster, which was a Marine Corps base. So, okay. but for the most part, yeah, we did. Um, but I heard you. I think I heard on another podcast or interview that you lived in England as
1: well. Yes. Yeah, so we lived in Colchester. Okay. And let's see, Colchester. What was that base called? Um, I think it's called. I think it was called Ben Waters or Bent Water or something like that. Okay. So a while back, we lived in England and Colchester, and then we went to um, San Diego, that's where I was born, and then went back to England, (laughs) to Colchester. (laughs) You know how that goes. So So they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, please don't ask me that, I don't know. (laughs)
0: I know that where are you from question. It's always tricky because um, and I feel like a lot of military children, they'll like it depends. So like they might say the last space they were from or they might say where their parents are from or where they were born. And I think now I've kind of stuck with Okinawa, Japan, because um, I was born there and then my mom is from Okinawa and we lived there twice. So I think that's sort of where. But then people get confused with, oh, you're
1: Japanese and, oh, you grew up in Japan. And it's like, "Eh, it's a little more complicated. (laughs) Right. So that, and so that's it, right? It's complicated because a little piece of us lives everywhere in the world. And depending on who I'm talking to and my comfort level or how much you really want to explain, because you know, that's a factor. Yes. My answer changes.
0: Mm Yes. Because everybody wants to
1: know, they are like, oh, but you, but you're not German. You went to high school in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not German. And they're like, well, oh, you're from, you lived in Turkey, but do they eat turkey in Turkey? No, they don't eat turkey in Turkey. I'd say that everywhere I go. It shocks people. Oh, and so depending goodness. on what the level is, I'll just say, oh, you know, I'm just from everywhere. You know, my family's from Trinidad, Tobago, but we're from everywhere. And I just kind of leave it there. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to give too much of your life story. I think, um, my
0: niece was born in Germany. Uh, my sister and my brother-in-law, they both work for APHIS. So they were stationed over there and, um, near Frankfurt and so she was born while they were there and I think she gets a lot of that oh so you're German and she's like no (laughs) well
1: let me let me make this full circle I finished high school in Wiesbaden which is maybe 30 minutes away from Frankfurt so I know that plays like the back of my hand right I can I can actually think that's where they were stationed yes because
0: yeah we um because th- like, that sounds familiar because we went there as part of our honeymoon because we did um, we just like did two weeks in Europe. And since they were there, I was like, oh, well, let's spend a few days with them. And they like drove us around and stuff. And I think that's where they were at. And they lived right off base. It was
1: an army base so yes. that they were stationed at. So oh, so you were in Mines me. or Mines Castell. You probably yes, visited, they lived in Wiesbaden right And you probably got on the train right downtown which is awesome. Yeah. This really awesome. McDonald's. It tastes different overseas. Everybody, it tastes yes, better yes, overseas. Yes. So, um, <laughs> small world. Let me, oh my gosh. So I'm going to tell you, I'm excited. And I feel like every time I do one of these, it's like chatting with a friend you didn't know you had, mm-hmm. not necessarily something super official and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been trying to reach out to different people within APHES because you see a lot of books in there. But you Mm -hmm. don't see many books that really capture the military family experience.
0: No, No, I agree. And so I'm just
1: like, well, what do we got to do to actually put stuff in there that looks like us? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of biracial, bicultural kids in there. How do we get it to actually speak to our experience? And like, who is the gatekeeper to say, hey, can you, you want one? Should ask my
0: brother in law because they're in the the um, corporate offices. So I'm, I might put in a, a word. <laughs> ask him, be like, hey,
1: who is the gatekeeper? Do they like snacks? Who Gotta do we need that. to talk to? And if I can get them some of those German smurfs, maybe that will sell it. I don't know. <laughs>
0: That's actually one of the things that um, caught my attention with your book is the family on the cover. Like I love that it's an interracial family because in the military, it is like it's very prevalent in the military and military service members are more prone to be in interracial relationships like Mm the research has shown and so. And I don't think there's a lot of information on that. Like I have a master's in sociology, so I'm very interested in like qualitative research and stuff. And so I was, you know, once in a while I'll kind of like search for that stuff and there isn't a whole lot. And I mean, there's a little bit more coming on, but like I found one research on um, being mixed race and in the military, as far as like uh, military dependence. And so I love that. Yes. Like I think, and I think your book is sort of like, it's part of that process of bringing attention to all the different families that encompass that military lifestyle. And that's what, you know, like I said, drew me to that book at first was like, Oh, that cover it's amazing. And it's, it's relatable. And I think that that, especially for kids is important that they are able to see that.
1: That's one thing I love. Um, It's a true celebration of diversity. So my mom's family is from Trinidad, and Tobago. My dad is from the U.S. And what I, you know, different, completely different cultures. And I loved, anywhere I lived in the world, I always had friends with two or three cultures in their household, multiple races, even our family has multiple races in it. And it was just a beautiful celebration. Like, oh, this person's family is from the Philippines. Oh, let me learn a little Tagalog. This -hmm. person is from Korea. Let me learn a little bit of this. And you'd spend time with each other's family members and they truly just become extents, ex, extensions of your own family mm-hmm. and you're learning their backgrounds, the struggles of that particular group and celebrating them with food and language. So I said, yes. you know, I want to see that more on a cover because there's not a lot of, in my opinion, they may exist, but I have never, especially when I grew up, I never saw books that had kids with the big curly oh. hair right, or the wild hair. You know, I have all these stages I can do with my hair. And so it's like, I just I didn't see that enough. And I certainly didn't see people that look like my family of mm-hmm. all backgrounds in the same household, you know, it exists, but you don't see it in books. And so every time I chat with different parents, I love when I get um, messages from parents and they'll say, this looks just like my kid. They they think it's them. And I'll say, well, yes, yeah, them," because what kid doesn't want to look at a book? Right. And see themselves in the cover, their exactly. eyes, their hair, their, mm-hmm. you know, all the little pieces that are them, even the little cartouche that many of us wear, mm-hmm. the character is wearing that. And people say, you really did your research. I was like, no, this is my real life. I just changed right. a few things to have some distance from my experience. But like you said, it's important for people to see that. And I just want that in every, in every bookstore, in every area where, regardless of the book, someone can look on the shelf and feel heard and seen on that cover and in that story, because that is where you win. It's not about the money. It's about the impact and how, just think how beautiful that is. The next generation of kids will all be able to look in a book and see themselves. We didn't have that. Like we had to make it up in our heads based off of what the story was.
0: Well, and I think there's value in that, right? There's value. And I think, especially for the younger generation, like knowing that you are valued and you may look different than some people, but it doesn't mean that's a bad thing. Like that's a great positive thing to have um, access to more than one culture and to have, you know, to have this diversity and this inclusion. And I think that's great. And I think it's great for even people who maybe aren't, you know, mixed race or something to see that and like to see, oh yeah, that's totally normal. Like Things are different, people are different, families are different, and that's
1: okay. It's all okay, right? So <laughs> <It is>. that's <laughs> and, so that's literally the theme of life. Yes. <laughs> it's different and that's okay. And so my mother would always tell us that as kids is that the things that make you different make you special. Mm-hmm. I, I can hear her say that a million times a day. And as you get older, you realize it is true because those things yes. do make you special. And at some point other people start to appreciate that about mm-hmm. you. And they're like, wow. I didn't know this. That's so cool. Or they hear you where your mom sounds the way your dad looks and they start to ask questions in a positive way, based out of curiosity. And just like that, you've, you've shared a little piece of your world with someone.
0: Exactly. And yeah, I love like, and that's one of the reasons why I started the podcast, because I want a space where people can share their stories and their experiences. And then other people can learn from that and reflect. And it's just um, like, I tell my kids a lot too, like, we don't live in that military community anymore, but I try to instill in them that, yeah, people are different. People speak different languages. They're born in different places. They might look, but that's all OK. Like there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's all OK. And our own family all look different, you know. So um, and I think, too, like with the military, yeah, like with the food, like I love going to different friends' houses and like we at least got exposed to that language in that food, and it's like, oh yeah, this house has the best kimchi, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <This house laughs> the best like onigiri, and this house, all oh, of the lumpia, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just, and yes, it was just like, oh, I miss that. I I seriously miss. Yes, that whole military lifestyle and um, just everything that it brought. And that was one of the reasons why I started the podcast so that I could to like connect Connect. with other people. And um, because I missed that because I've been in Chicago area, Chicago, or right outside for the past 20 some odd years. And so, um, yeah, I really missed it. And so I was that's why I was so glad that I found your book and that I got to connect with you and. But yeah, so um well so why don't you um uh what was one of your favorite things though growing up in the military besides just like connecting what was like moving around or was it that diversity like what are some of the things that you absolutely like as an
1: adult now you could like really appreciate um well I have to say first it's two things first because I'm a foodie love <laughs> love those experiences like you're saying going to different households trying new foods and it becoming a part of your culture even though it's not directly becomes part of your third culture the second piece is these new experiences Mm -hmm. being able to hop on the train at 12 and go to Europa Park Mm -hmm. which is in Germany like an amusement park and just enjoy yourself or to go skiing in Switzerland things that are not seen as um viable options or as accessible here in the United States right they are very much normal experiences to children living overseas so I spent mm-hmm. all, most of my life overseas in just that celebration of diversity I really miss those things so I said I want to be able to bring some of that here I have to be very much intentional living in the US to make sure that I'm bringing in people of other yes. backgrounds to constantly learn and grow and and immerse yourself in other cultures because sometimes things are very much separated and i don't believe it's intentional at least i have to believe it's not but mm-hmm. i'll say well let me go to this part of town because i love the market here and let me try to connect with a few individuals pre covid of course and just you know connect and grow and learn because if not it's so easy to stay in your own little bubble and i want to make sure that my bubble is always different mm-hmm. that i am always outside of my comfort zone so that's what i'll probably say i love the most is that there really wasn't a comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You literally had to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because things are growing and changing and moving so fast that you just learn to trust your instincts in a way that some people never, um, they never learn until they're a full adult. Like we had those instincts. It's five, six, seven, and eight. Right. You could sense danger. You can pick up another language. You could probably go to the store and buy some snacks for your friends in mm-hmm. another language because you, you developed quick instincts and I miss that. I do too. I
0: agree. And, um, it's funny because like my husband, he was born and raised in Chicago. So we have like, it's, we've grew up very differently, but I'm lucky that he's like willing to, you know, try new things and to travel. And, um, like now though, where I'm like, okay, like I really want to move, like it's time to move. (laughs) So we're just trying to figure out where now, but, um, No, and I think, too, like all of that, it helps us to be able to um, experience change and adapt to change a lot quicker, Um, and then to respect that change and to be more positive with it. So, yeah, I love that. I think moving around in the diversity, that was one of my favorite things. I joke that I feel like my daughter, she... um, is similar. Like, like she likes learning a few words and phrases in a bunch of different languages. So I'm like, well, if we ever go vacation in Europe, you're our translator, at least to help order things. <laughs> because right. she's like, learned a few words in German and Norwegian and Dutch and Italian. And I was like, there you go. Like you're our translator. <laughs> well,
1: she's and I my love- kind of girl, right? She, she loves um, to travel. Like they have all these apps now where you can mm-hmm. do a quick translation. Like I had a pocket mm-hmm diary in turkish
0: yes
1: (laughs) process that like that's what we did guys and you had to learn enough to Mm -hmm. trust your instincts and make a few friends of that culture that was there was their dominant language you guys could hang out yes (laughs) and bring your pocket diary in case you ran into something so you had to learn how to order food how to ask for help how to ask about transportation and the Mm -hmm. time and basic things but now it's um the world is a lot easier to move around than it was it then. Is. So a little bit of the mystery is taken out of the experience.
0: Well, I remember too, living in England, we had um, host nation classes and like, yeah, we would have, cause you know, British English and American English are quite different. And so like one of the things they taught in host nation class in England was language and like learning what those different words were.
1: <laughs> I remember host nation. Yeah. Yes. It's very different. Like you're saying the bathroom here in the United States. Oh, they're seeing the loo very different or like like, who was (laughs) Lou? bathroom you're saying french fries we call them chips yes and you're calling it chips in the u.s they're calling it it crisp (laughs) yep (laughs)
0: it's like if you ask for that you're gonna get something completely different different. (laughs) yeah that's i loved all of that so um did you have did you find that though you had any like certain struggles or was there anything that you found to be most difficult in that upbringing um
1: that rapid change is all I've ever known and because mm-hmm. I was born into it. It became normal mm-hmm. if you because that's my experience. It would be weird to me to live in the same place my entire life because yeah. I don't know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I say that um, that would probably be the most difficult part? I would say not having books like this because they didn't exist for us. Right. And I just sat around during the pandemic, which really felt like when you first PCS, you know, how you just somewhere you don't have any friends, can't go anywhere, don't have a car yet. Right. That's what the pandemic felt like, like just moving (laughs) in the first three months. You just frustrated because you don't know, but it didn't really feel that hard. Um, What I would say is just not having not having books like that as a kid that truly validated our experiences. Was it difficult just as is? Yes. But we didn't have the resources then that we do now. I'm fortunate that I have three siblings, so we are our own party. <laughs> you know, our own spades game, our own monopoly game. So you're not as lonely with four of us. But I, I imagine that um, many others, it was very difficult for them, especially without defined resources. So this generation probably has a, a lot easier in some respects related to moving than we did a generation ago.
0: hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm one of five, so we had, um, like, my Party. brother talk. yes. <laughs> I mean, it was good and bad, but, like, yeah, I remember we would be sitting in, you know, the billetine, and my brother was teaching us how to play poker with pennies, and,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 we played with pennies.
0: <laughs> yeah, so or beans or something, and then, yeah. Um, when we, our last duty station, my dad's last duty station was just me and my little sister, but we're all three years apart. And so, but her and I, yeah, like we, once we got into um, the we just started wandering together and we would just walk around together and we went to the BX and the movie theater and the shop ed And it was just us two. So we had each other to, um, you know, to keep company and to figure things out while we were getting acclimated to the new area. So it's, yeah, having... Having siblings, I think definitely helps. I can't imagine if it was just like me and my parents and how I would do. Because I remember, too, you know, in the 80s, when we'd move to a new place to meet friends, like we would literally just go house to house and knock on the door and be like, hey, we just moved here. Do you have kids our age? Like, I can't imagine kids doing that
1: now. <laughs> yeah, we would do that. and be like, Or you'd see somebody moving in with boxes and you're like, oh, OK, there's a new person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> go there and say hi
1: and then everybody comes outside right because you got it you only knew where people were if you saw a bunch of bikes in the yard yeah <laughs> like okay everybody's over there or there's a bunch of balls down You're Like okay I'm gonna go over there you introduce yourself and you get to start over
0: mm-hmm. so a lot of
1: times where where you would have had a negative experience and just had to live with that if you grew up and lived in the same place your entire life you get to start over constantly so you can kind of reinvent yourself to some degree mm-hmm. like okay well so this time I'm cut my hair I can wear it different and so you get to be an some new version, hopefully a better version of yourself in every new duty station, because you get to meet more people.
0: Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love moving around. Like just, I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Um, so some of the moments from the book that caught my eye, I guess let's um, go through. So one of the lines you put soldier like me, the little girl said um, soldiers like me, the army needs me to be tough and to learn new things quickly when we PCS. And Um, I think that stuck with me because, yes, I think military dependents are like soldiers in the Army. Um, We, too, like when I was growing up, I didn't always feel very validated and my struggles didn't seem to really be valued or looked on. It was always the service member and what they were going through. And we had to be strong for our parent who was serving. Um, So when I saw that, I was just like, oh, my gosh, if I was a little
1: kid, reading this book and like i wish i had that <laughs> me too <laughs> cuz it was only about the service member at the time but i have to say the armed forces have done a better job in now yes. painting the entire family
0: mm-hmm. as
1: someone who serves cuz it was seen like oh you're just there but now there's so much recognition and experience mm-hmm. and resources for children and their experience that you and i didn't have right <laughs>
0: I know. I was like, when I read it, I almost wanted to cry because I was just like, oh my God. And there is, there's more research coming out on the military yeah. family. There's um, just a lot more attention put on to their struggles, the military spouse and the military dependent. So when I read that, I was just like, oh my gosh. Um, and then another thing, when she said, every time we go on a new adventure, something of mine gets lost or
1: broken. Yes. <laughs> every single time. Right. And it was probably both. <laughs>
0: I was like, where did this, I know I have more pictures than this. Where is this thing? I was just like, oh my gosh, girl, that is so true.
1: Isn't it? (laughs) So like, so let me tell you, so I'm also in a few um, military kid Facebook groups. And what I like about it is it's people of all backgrounds, all ages, and someone posted about... A box that they found in their storage that has nothing oh to gosh. do with them. And so they <laughs> posted, and I was like, Oh my God, this is a Hallmark movie waiting to happen. So they posted about this and was like, Can somebody tag? It, it did have in there the person's first and last name. So other people started tagging again, Hallmark movie, and yes. found this person from their maiden name and reached oh, out wow. and was like, hey. Again, just the power of social media and found right. like, hey, I think I have your box. Did you finish school in 01? Yes. And I was just like, okay, now I'm invested. I've got to follow this post and see. I right. going
0: to ask you that Because just like up. that,
1: <laughs> um, all of our experiences that weren't as supported, now there's the social mediums, there's a lot of research, I think, based off of what happened or didn't happen for our generation. Mm-hmm. Some good has come out of it for additional support with psychology and sociology. Right. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I'm going to have to look that up. That's crazy. I'm going to invite you to the group because we, <laughs> we both have to see this through because now there's so much recognition for um, for military children and their struggles mm-hmm. and their trajectory that mm-hmm. was not there before. When I see this, I'm just like, oh, we're not just brats anymore. Now we are seen as an extension of the service member with a valued experience. Yeah. What? I was like, and good I job, love it. Uh, military. I love it. You're, mm-hmm. you're two generations late, a couple. Yeah, like,
0: Good job <laughs> better late than never, though. <laughs> right, just a little bit, <laughs> but I love it, and it does. Um, yeah, I think that yeah, with all this new research, it's slowly but surely there's more information and more research and more emphasis put on it, so more value. Um, another. <laughs> so this part of your book, so Cody the Purple Dinosaur. Um, <laughs> I feel silly. So I'm reading it, and I get to that part where they land in italy i guess and she's like wait i don't have cody so i'm like wait what and i'm skip. i'm like did i skip a page <laughs> and i had to go i'm like flipping i had to have skipped
1: a page She can't lose him like what's going on <laughs> every every parent every child every teacher and counselor that has reached out to me goes oh my gosh what happened to cody it is a huge mystery for everyone it was a group I read to last week was asking Miss Perry Knights can we um you know the second grade um can I post and ask people if they if they know what happened to Cody I said you sure can with your parents permission you know (laughs) to throw that in there but so that is the next book that I'm writing to follow Cody's adventure back to them because everyone asked I even created some little backpack Cody's I have to show you so you can keep him on your backpack and take him home with you because everyone wonders what in the world happened to Cody? Where is he? Is he safe? Did he learn Italian? I get some incredible questions around Where's Cody. Cody? <laughs> I know. I, I was literally like, this can't be right. Like, <laughs> and and like, it happens for kids, right? Seat. You have it's one nice. item that you actually yes. got to take with you while you're PCSing because everything else is packed. And the panic that ensues when mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, I lost the one thing they said that I could bring with me. Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do? Because for children, it's an extension of them. It's, you know, it's, it's a comfort, you know, and the the type of anxiety that ensues when you lose something for a child, that's their world. It's not just a toy or an item. And I just, you know, every kid, oh my gosh, I I have to tell you the (laughs) just the amount of little letters, Is Cody. Okay. I was like, okay, we've got to settle this in writing. So he will be coming out probably oh, in good. the summer. We've got to good. trace him, get him to Italy, <laughs> and get him back in the arms of our main character. So if yes, you're listening, I was don't worry. Like, oh, my heart is broken now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it what hurt it- when
1: I wrote it. It hurt. <laughs> she can't possibly be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is the heartbreak of every child. And I'm just like, Like Like, I get that it's real,
0: but (laughs) yeah, I know. And it's that familiarity though. Like it's Mm -hmm. that one constant that, you know, kids will have with their lovey, you know, and um, yes. And so then to lose that, it's heartbreaking. And I was just like, no, I'm going to have to ask
1: her about that. (laughs) I did not realize it would break so many little hearts. So I said, okay. okay, Abrupt too. (laughs) It's abrupt because that's what happens, right? You sleep, you wake up, boom, something has happened. And it's like, OK, how do you make sure that you bring him back in? So I will be bringing him back good, good. in a positive way and then <laughs> allowing every child to take home a little Cody like that one so they can keep him on the uh, back and keep him safe because that is that's what's important for them.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad to hear that. But <laughs> um, let's see two other things. So oh, there was one part where she stepped off the plane or they were driving or something. And it was that smell. Like she was talking about the smell of Italy and how it smelled like sulfur or something. And I was like, that is so true. Like, I guess it I never is. thought about it much until I read that part. And I remember, yeah, like when we moved to Okinawa that second time, Um like as soon as we stepped off the plane, like since those doors open and you, it's just that humidity hit us and then the smell of the ocean or even like going through Naha city and like the smells that come. And then even England, it's like, when we, yeah. like I said, my husband and I, we went to England as part of our honeymoon, like stepping and I was just like all these smells. And even now, like as an adult, when I go places and I smell something, you know, the smell triggers that kind of a sense and it triggers you know, my brain and my memories to something from childhood. And I was like, wow, I never, yeah. Like that's so true. Like places have those different smells that are important, I guess. And that you remember.
1: That's so true. The smells <sighs> are memories and it becomes part mm-hmm. of us. Right. Um, someone recently brought me, well, you had lived in England for a while. So you may know Smarties. The candies. Yeah. That's what I was about to
0: say. Like the, Not the American
1: candies, the, the British Smarties. It's like oh, a chocolate know. covered. Oh, next level. So, and they brought me something, I was you know, you get excited because mm-hmm. you're the visual aspect of it takes you back to where you were. Yes. You know, I'm thinking of upper Hayford. I'm thinking of the area where I lived and the school I went to, and I can see myself on my peak skateboard, you know, in my mind. And then I taste it and, and it's a whole experience for the smell, the taste, the look of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I just imagine it's the same way for all kids and adults. Mm-hmm. This is how we, we go back in our mind when things are difficult, at least for me, I take myself back in my mind to some of the happiest moments and I just relive it. So, yes. you know, certain candy, certain smells, looks, feels, whatever, the smell of the ocean reminds me living in Panatamari in Italy, which is a small part of Naples. And I remember being out there and walking and enjoying it. And it just, it takes you back to your happier places. And so I imagine it's the same for you, even that terrible smell of sulfur that I don't mm-hmm. like. I still love Italy, but I don't like the smell of sulfur because we live near the volcano, Mm. but it reminds me and it takes me back and I have to smile at some of the great memories and then kind of, you know, deep, breathe deep over the difficult Mm -hmm. moments. No, I agree. For England,
0: it's that um, when I smell like a fried donut like yeah, the yeah. sugar fried sugar donuts for some it's reason that always brings me back because I remember when we lived there um, and we would go to like the carnivals or something or mm. like certain parks and they would be frying donuts there and selling and we would get those that was that's a big thing for me for England or um, even at Scott Air Force Base there was the flight line there so like that smell of like the jets and the sound yeah. of it even still like it's very nostalgic for me and when my parents live down near there now. And so my dad took us on Scott Air Force Base, just driving around to see. And it's so different. Like my sister and I were like, oh, yeah, we remember this. And I mm-hmm. told my kids, I'm like, oh, yeah, we would have to walk from here. My friend lived on this side of the flight line. And then we're driving. I was like, I'm still walking. I'm still walking. I'm still walking home. <laughs> and they're like, you walk this much? I was like, oh, snow, the barefoot. Yep. I know. <laughs> I was like, still so walking to visit my friend. And then it was all new houses. And so my sister wow. and I were like, it was very like, yes. And it was just like all those, the reminiscing and the nostalgia. And then in Okinawa, there's just, you know, yes, the smell of the sea, the ocean, and yeah. um, certain foods, or even like, um, it was like a seaweedy kind of <laughs> like yes. it's not a good smell necessarily, but it's one that just makes me happy. Like when I do smell something like that, it's just it brings joy to my heart and it's like a happy place for me. So, yeah, like that was a part of the book um, that I loved. And then I finally, yes,
1: like, like even like little things that remind you yes. of memories that you forgot. Because mm-hmm. you, you weren't thinking of how long you had to walk, not over the years, you're not thinking of it. But when you're in the right. moment again, you can see yourself walking down that street. Feel you're it. passing by <laughs> and you're, you're waving to your friend's mom. You're seeing these things in the moment mm-hmm. that are memories from years ago that they're memories, but they're stored in the back of your mind. You kind of push yes. them away as we collect new and mm-hmm. so I love revisiting those moments, even the yes. bad stuff with the dog chasing, you, jumped on the car, you know, oh all of those gosh. things where you can, because I think that, that, was that an happened an to England everybody, experience. right?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that happened to me there. It happened to me in Georgia before. And I'm just like, in your mind, it was so much bigger than it was. And then when you connect with those friends again from that time period, mm-hmm. they even remind you of things that you forgot, yes. but it's such a great memory to go back and relive it. Even if it's mm-hmm. through a friend's perspective.
0: Yes. And it's nice too. Cause yeah, we did live this unique lifestyle. And so a lot of us moved into areas where we're not surrounded with people who have that in common. Like me right now, you know, my, um, like I said, my husband was born and raised here. And so it's, like people who have grown up together. And I don't have that. Like, there's not a lot of people here that I can, you know, reminisce with or connect with. And I think that's one thing with social media. Like we were able to reconnect with people who have that in common. And so we can like get that back again a little bit. So, but I love it. And then one final thing you're, and that's okay. Like, I think, like I said, that is probably, um, it's just such a great, I guess, a premise for the book. Like, yes, some things are not okay, but in the end it's okay. And it's going to be okay. And I think for little kids reading this, or even like parents, like, you know, struggling to help their kids, like just knowing, yes, it's difficult, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. And um, I just, I loved that. Like, it's just overall, I just, it's such a great book.
1: (laughs) That was (laughs) one of my favorite moments, just that thinking of that social and emotional aspect saying okay self awareness and mm-hmm. social awareness what does someone need to know you want them to validate all the experiences have highs and lows in a story but ultimately to say you know what it will be okay even if you have to fight your way through it cry your way through it they have like a real that's like are you going to boss up or are you going to cry and it's like first of all i'm going to do both that's kind of yeah. how i feel about most of like right. i'm going to do both but it will be okay. I will learn from this. I will grow from this. And so, um, I wanted children to have a little mantra to say, like, I, I move a lot and it's okay. Cause you Mm -hmm. never knew what people are going to, where are you from? Where are you from? And you're like, I just move around. Like there was a year we were in three different places, two different countries. I mean, we, we moved a lot just because of the nature of his work with like the different NATO bases and things. And there were some friends that never moved. And right, I was like, how how's your dad in the Air Force? Mean like never goes anywhere. Like how? Right. Are you <laughs> and then you're writing letters to people. So I love this aspect of finding a book that allows parents and children to have conversations, important conversations around friendship, around their emotional status, mm-hmm. what's happening with them on the inside, around moving, around changing schools and new jobs and new homes. Because there's so many pieces of it. But I, I just kind of sum it up to say that if you allow them to experience it the way you are like where the mom says I'm scared too on the plane mm-hmm. I'm scared having moments like that really help your kids understand you're a human not a yes. superhero like they may view you as and mm-hmm. say keep those raw feelings open and just just chat with them it makes the experience even richer Let them yes. help with food and go out and pretend to look for the house even though you already chose it those moments really help them to feel as though they're a part of the process instead of it happening to mm-hmm. them. And a lot of times it happened to us. And you're just like, yes. okay. you're walking down the street, you don't remember which one is your house because in your mind, you're thinking of the other house and you don't know this oh, phone number yeah. yet because you haven't memorized it because <laughs> the last one was like 12 digits. You know, this kind of stuff.
0: Country <laughs> code, county code. <laughs> yes.
1: Right, country,
0: county, <laughs> wait a minute, there's
1: six more digits. What was that number again?
0: Ugh. know yes (laughs) that's now that's awesome and then um i just thought i had thought about something else in the book that i had um i can't remember what it is changing the money (laughs) no but that was another oh writing like writing the teachers So I remember, yes, yes, in third grade, I wrote my teacher, Miss Robinson, and um, because we were only in North Carolina for two years. And so I remember I for a few years, I wrote, you know, snail mail letters, it wasn't emails or anything. And um, it's funny, because now with my kids, they've been in the same school, you know, from kindergarten, my oldest to seventh grade now. So it's been the same school. And I'm like, Oh, well, maybe you can email with your teacher. And it's just funny, because my husband's like, why would the teacher email their students oh, and i was see. like i was like they do th- they do that I told them they do that <laughs> that's weird and i was like see that's just i think the difference in our upbringing And i was like Teachers in the Department of Defense school, I mean, I think it's Dodea now, but like when I was growing up, it was Dodds and the Dodds schools, I think they understood that. And so, yeah, like teachers were very, and honestly, though, my kids' teachers are very like, they love talking to their students. And my daughter okay. will email with some of her <laughs> students, but um, no, and I've told a few other people, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to like write letters to my teacher. And they're yeah. like, really? I was like, yes, because they go through like teachers in Dodds schools are like, like the kids are just going in and out, like they see so many different faces. And so, yeah, I think once in a while, like you find that teacher that you want to keep in touch with, or, you know, teachers find certain students that they love keeping in touch with and just like seeing how they're growing throughout the years. And so I was just like, see, I'm not weird.
1: <laughs> no, you're just, so you're just different. And I, I did that as well. I know many people that do that. And so now as we're adults, I'm still like, Miss Clover. can I call you? Can I call you by first? And oh. she was like, it's still Frau Kluver. I'm like, okay, it's still Frau Kluver, fine. Which is missing German Frau. And so what I tell people is that was a real part of the story, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've shared this before. Mr. Mossberg was actually my second grade teacher in Turkey. And I wanted to incorporate him because he was one of my favorite teachers. Oh. And even though I took the story from Georgia, he was one of my favorite teachers that always stood out to me. I would, um, you know, you'd, you'd write a letter. He would read it to your class. They would write their own letters. That He would package them. They'd send them back. Each teacher, as you know, that's your experience. That. They'd send mm-hmm. it to you or they would write one class letter to you. Mm-hmm. So You were always a part of their class until you stopped writing. And so I wanted to include him. Found out years later, Mark Mossberg is his name. He actually became like one of the regional um, big big uh title holders within dodds here in the u.s oh, mm-hmm. and i was just like oh, mr bosberg i wonder if he remembers me you know because of course he may not remember me but he's probably gonna say that he remembers me mm-hmm. because i'm you know you're one of their kids you're <laughs> always one of their kids and so i did reach out and he responded to me an email, and i was like oh, oh my, gosh, my teacher emailed me my husband's like what <laughs> i'm you like don't and i don't yeah.
0: understand but i love that yes and like we can like read.
1: Share that. (laughs) I got to find him again so I can send him a copy of the book and be like, hey, the character loosely looks like him with the long hair. He was just super cool. And one of the few male teachers I had, which I loved, just really nice and caring. So that's something most people don't see. But in Dodds here in the U.S. or Dodia in Europe, the teachers are very much like an extension of your family. Mm -hmm. Just kind, caring. They're also paid appropriately respected at work,
0: Mm -hmm. not expected
1: to do things after hours. I think that plays a part in it, but they're just like an extension of your family. And when something goes wrong, like they work with the parents Mm -hmm. to make sure it's right, or with the service member's boss to make sure it's right, depending on the situation. So there is no tension a lot of times with teachers and parents. It is truly a partnership. And I would love to see more of that here in the U.S.,
0: yeah, and I think that's, um. it's funny how you said the service member's boss, like, I think oh, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that, yes, like, as a child in the military, what you do is an extension of what your parent who's in the service, and that gets back to their boss. <laughs> like, there's yes. a whole chain that it's not just you getting into trouble, like, it's. Other, everyone's going to know and That's it's going to affect <laughs>
1: people don't realize that so um there is a defined level of parent accountability mm-hmm. for students in the school system there it's very different so i shermaine i'm doing what i need to do every day in class you know your parents are meeting with teachers and it's truly a collaborative effort yes. i'm sure there's some instances where it's not but for the most part it is and if i am not doing what i'm supposed to do of course they reach out to the service member hmm or the, um, maybe the spouse who, you know, the other person. Find out second time they're reaching out to the service member. Service member, at least the time which I was in school, is coming to sit in your classes in their uniform all day long, which is quite uncomfortable for them. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. Like, I'm really in trouble because they don't want to sit in school all day with me. But that is that was their assignment today. Instead of going mm-hmm. to the office, they sat in your classroom all day. And looking at you like, Why can't you just do this? Like you have one job, right? Yep. The third time that was that service member in front of their boss explaining why you can't do what you're supposed to do in school. Do you see the level of accountability? And that at that point probably moves them to a level of discipline at their job, which Mm -hmm. affects their pay and their promotion status at work. Mm -hmm. If I'm using loose terms for, non-military relate to. Can you imagine your parents losing pay and position based off of your inability to communicate effectively at school or to participate and do what you're supposed to do? Changes the game altogether. Like you only got three strikes. After that, you're no longer a part of that school system. We can, they will send you to, or however it works, you go back to uh, a different area where you're not a part of that school system because it is a privilege. And there's such rich opportunities that you will either behave Mm -hmm. (laughs) or the service member will have some type of interaction with their job that's negative. And they're probably going to send you to live with somebody else in the family. So that creates another dynamic. Yep. Yeah. My parents, I remember they used to, um,
0: For us, they would uh, threaten us with all-girl Catholic school in Cincinnati.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they didn't threaten to send you back to the country where they grew up. It's like, we'll take you back to Trinidad. I'm like, mommy, but it's beautiful there. She's like, it's not the same.
0: (laughs) They did threaten to leave me in Japan
1: once. (laughs) Okay, see, look, I swear our parents grew up together. Like, that is it, right?
0: (laughs) But, and it's funny because I'll tell my kids, I'm like, if you guys act up, if I hear from your teacher, we're going to sit in your classroom. And they're like, no, you're not. I was like, oh, you don't think we're going to be sitting right next to you in your classroom? In the tiny chair <laughs> you? as they're yes. like really big. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: uncomfortable. You're like, why is this 300 pound we'll man it. sitting in this little tiny chair? And I
0: was like, don't call our bluff because we will do it. <laughs> and everybody's
1: looking at them like, ooh, someone's so's dad isn't here today. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> You're like trying to, everybody's on their best behavior because there's clearly someone that's too big to fit in this desk, sitting in this desk. And they're already upset.
0: It's for one day that class will be well behaved. One
1: day, right? Subs didn't have any problem substitutes. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay, so, um, I mean, we're getting close to the end, but so you said you were gonna be writing a book about Cody and where is Cody. Yeah. So um, do you have any other plans with this book? Like, are you going to write more books? Are you gonna make it a series? Like, cause there's so much that you can, yeah, like incorporate and do with this. It's a great starting point. So um, what are some of your future plans with it?
1: Um, so there's so many ideas and I'm pulling them all from my experiences moving. Like the time we moved to Turkey, we'll talk about that. Or the time I moved to Germany from Italy. And just, it's, it's a very different culture, but it was really cool. Time we moved to England, you know, and like you said, the different words between English in the U.S. Mm-hmm. versus English in, in England, very different. And just showing more of the diversity, the rapid change, I want to have, and I have them all written on sticky notes, but you know, you got to pull it together. Talking about things that we actually went through when a friend of yours lost their parents. And it was sad, but it was relatable because that was so-and-so's mom. And we're all family, even though we're not family. Mm -hmm. And how you felt for them and how you hurt for them and you cried with them and you love them. And this is like another sibling to you, even though it's not. Talking about that, talking about mental health when he deployed and when he came back, he was like really mean and different, you know, that we all just dealt with, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't a term for it. Now they have something called the cycle of deployment based off of probably all the problems that came out of our group. But talking about that, talking about PTSD, I want to talk about all the real things and raw emotions that we experienced that you were just told to just figure it Get out. It mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and we are just a resilient group, not because we want to be, because we have to. And I want to talk around those different areas um, because I feel like it's very much needed and the children nowadays can feel supported in knowing that, oh yeah, they lost their parent or that person came back very different, right? And nobody understands why. He lost his smile, but that's okay. So I'm going to keep it. And that's okay. As a part of the title to tie all the themes together, you know, having a blended family at some point, because a lot of military families um, divorced, that is a natural thing in the military community. Talking around that is just there's so many ways in which I'd like to advance the stories and introduce new characters. Of course, always bicultural or biracial, because that is a reality. And I don't see much of that.
0: Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I think um, the deployments, yes. Like my dad, he would only, like, he would be gone for maybe one to three weeks at a time. He, I don't remember him doing like super duper long um, deployments, but he would go, like, as he got into that senior master sergeant, chief master sergeant ranks, like, um, he would be gone more often. And I remember like my mother would essentially be a single mom to five kids. Yes. And, um, it was difficult for her. And um, then my dad would come back and like you change that dynamic now of your family. And that was hard, but then he'd go again and then you'd sort of get back into the routine of what you do when they're gone. And then they come back and like and then too i think for him it was difficult because like he's expecting things to be a certain way but then we've all gotten so used to it being a different way and yes. so um and i remember i used to feel a little guilty cuz i would be like sometimes it was easier when he was on deployment so then it's was tdy <laughs> yeah we called it tdy <laughs> yes tdy but, um, <laughs> like what um I'm like, when is he going to go again so that we can get, you know, and I would feel guilty about that sometimes. And, but then as I got older, I started realizing, okay, well, I'm sure it was difficult for him as well because now he's having to come back and like reacclimate into everything. So I think I, all of that is just, I think, yes, the mental health aspect of it, all of that is just, it's all, that's all amazing. And I can't wait to see where all of that takes you and all of that, you know, in the books and, um, so then I guess, um, what advice would you give to any military child having a hard time? Like right now, what would you say to them?
1: I would um, probably say two things to them. First, and I know it sounds cliche, I would let them know that there are many of us who had the exact same experiences that truly understand what it feels like. Like mine was gone nine to 10 months of every year. I don't know if it was a choice to TDY as much, right? but- Uh, it became very normal for him not to be in the household because 10 months is a lot of time in the year. It is. And you're wondering, well, mom's really the boss, but you're kind of listening. Like, who do you really listen to? You know, kids go through that. Like, okay, you're looking over at her, like, and she's like, do it. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this whole power struggle. So I want kids to just understand that there are many of us, while they may be younger than us, the experiences, the feelings are still there. Like you said, it was nostalgia Mm -hmm. for you, but you can go right back in that moment and you remember Mm -hmm. how it felt every single time they left. And you'd miss them and then they'd come back and you're like, why are they so crazy? Like, what is going on with them, right? You didn't understand. So to say that they can lean on us because we are here and we truly understand, the other pieces I would tell them to write, even if they have no intention of ever publishing the story, journaling is powerful. It is therapeutic. It allows us to free ourselves in a way that we may not always feel empowered to talk to someone. So mm-hmm. write it, even if you ball it up and throw it away later.
0: It's great. If yes. I have a lot of my
1: mind, I'll write it down. Sometimes you get the angry scribbling, sometimes you get real scribbling, and then just ball it up and I'll throw it away sometimes. Sometimes I keep it, sometimes I throw it away, but then my mind is free of mm-hmm. the thought that was weighing me. So write these things down. Someday they may want a collection of stories to share with someone else to truly understand their experience. Because when you say you're lonely, it's a different type of lonely that everyone mm-hmm doesn't understand you don't know do they actually love me they're gone so much and you're asking like oh of course I love you you know this kind of thing and you're just like well I don't really feel that but okay you know all of these emotions that they have we truly get it so when I talked to the younger ones um and it was a it was a, a review that made me cry almost and I'm not a crying person that's another thing I don't know if we cry much if that's normal like nothing I really I do now nothing after really myself. bothers us right we're just yeah. sensitized to a lot of things which I don't know if that's normal, but. There was one where a parent said they had just moved again and he's seven. So he's starting to realize he's missing his friends. He said, she said, it made him feel heard and seen. And it just, it kind of touched my heart in a way. And the tears came and I was like, well, what do you mean? She said, he was like, she's like me. And he was looking at the character and he said, I want to take this to my class so they can learn about me. And I was just like, wow, that was the mom sharing that. And I said, I said, well, I'm not crying. You're crying, right? So I'm on the phone. I don't know this person, but people reach out to you. And that's what I I want them to understand (laughs) is that the whole purpose of writing these things down is so that someday when you're ready, you can share it with other people and they'll have a little more empathy for your experience. You know, like you said, stop asking where are you from and just say, hey, what feels like home to you? Where feels Mm -hmm. like home? you know, that type of, it's a small change, but having that level of empathy is really important. So I'm kind of on a mission to get this book within every public library. And the reason I say public libraries is that I want to reduce the limitations with access for those who can't pay for something. But if it's in the library, you can always check it out Mm -hmm. so that teachers and local school officials or whoever can find this and share the story with others who Need a little more empathy in their classroom because this kid is just everybody's saying, Oh, he's such a problem. She's such a problem. And it's not that they have other things going on that they just don't know how to share. But a book like this could help them open up a little bit to have a deeper conversation to empower them. So I would say, Write it. Please write it down. Even if you never share with your parents, just write it down. That's great. Because,
0: too, I think this book, I mean, I think it could relate to anybody, right? That moves around a lot, not just yeah. military dependents. So that's awesome. Um, well, how can people connect with you and learn more about you and get
1: oh the book? God. Well, first, you can always reach out to me online. Let me tell you, I love meeting new people. I think that's kind of the, the military kid news too. Right. I'm just like, ooh, new <laughs> friends. I was <laughs> just like, you made a new friend? I'm like, I made a new friend. Yep. So I would say, um, you can reach out to me the easiest way possible is on my website. Books for militaryfamilies.com. Mm-hmm. And it has all my socials on there. Like it's really easy to connect. I'd love to talk to your kids' school to do a reading, all of that. But you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram and you know, all those kind of places at Amazinglychermaine. So Amazingly Charmaine. You'll find me on there and I am more than happy to connect. Like it it just really warms my heart to know that a book could make someone feel better could make them want to connect with someone else could offer a little relief to someone who's stressed like I lived for the library so it's it's always good for me to know that there's an impact not a sale but there's an impact and there's a deeper conversation that was achieved because of this so please reach out even if you say it's thanks I don't like it I'm all right with that like it's (laughs) it's a conversation like (laughs) tell me what you would write what you would do differently so we can we can talk about that next
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, and I, yeah, because the book, too, I mean, it doesn't just relate to kids. Like I said, like, there were so many parts of that. Like, as an adult, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I remember that. And it just, yeah, like it validated my childhood, I think. And so, I think the books, even though they are, I guess, technically written for children, or at least that's your target audience, like it's something that's relatable to everybody, even a parent, like trying to help their child, you know, deal with things. So, I think, um, yeah. So I love it. I'm so glad I found it. Thank and I'm so it. glad I connected with you. And, I'm excited. Because um, it's like yes, a conversation tool,
1: it. right? Because like, yes. imagine you change jobs because you got a new opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's so, like, okay, you're, you want to change jobs, but you got to prepare the rest of your family for your move. It's not like when we used to just get orders, boom, you're moving. It's like, uh, uh, okay, we're moving now. So, but there's opportunities for conversations. And so, like you said, it's it's almost like the story is written by a kid for a kid because we're all like a little bit of that kid inside of us still. And so if a parent is willing, they can have a conversation with them and prepare them mentally and Mm -hmm. emotionally before you just kind of rip apart their whole lives for a new place. Yeah, they're going to love it in six, nine months after they get there. But there's a whole lot that happens in between the time that you say we're moving until Yes hey, I love this new duty station. Yeah, it's like six months of, do you really want them to be miserable for six months? Or can you talk with them, empower them and find ways to just really help them feel and that's okay aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay to be sad and then we gotta move on. We just, yeah. we deal with all of that and that's okay. And then, yeah, I love it. I mean, I can't say much. <laughs> It's, it's about so cool, how much though. it is. It's just it's great, and yeah, I love the that's okay aspect of it because it is and it will be. So, but thank you again. Is there anything else you'd like to
1: share? Or no, I feel like I'm chatting with a friend. I'm like, I'm my too. new friend. Don't be talking about this. <laughs> you everyone. are I'm my, my new friend, new friend today. <laughs> because, I mean, it's so it's so cool that because we literally are changing environments quite a bit, you can connect over something small that we share. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's the same way for kids if they're moving to a new country and they're not military you're living a transient life for immigrant kids and you find someone that has one thing that's similar like i love tamarind somebody else loves tamarind and we're like yes now we're friends we get together we eat tamarind which is a fruit and it's like okay something very simple that you can connect with so like why not build connections with others instead of finding ways to be divided so let's continue to just really love connect it. and grow with other people
0: i agree completely awesome well thank you for coming on I really appreciate it I love meeting you me so too. thank you thank you for writing this book
1: <laughs> thank you just and a little I, piece of me and you know the pandemic just released some creativity yes. so I'm glad that it was impactful in the right way